What are your plans for your business this year? Hey, it's Tug. Do you want to expand and grow? Aren't you exhausted by going to lenders, building a relationship, and a week later, you got a new person to deal with? You have to start all over again? You don't have that with First Liberty Building and Loan. The Frost family has been helping businesses grow since the 90s, and they want to know you. Unlike big banks, they want to partner with you. The Frost family knows the patterns. They know the ebbs and flows. They know business. Get to know them at FirstLibertyGA.com. Building a building? Buying a building? Buying a franchise? Expanding? Reach out to them. Spend 10 minutes with them. See if you're a fit for them and if they're a fit for you. You do that at FirstLibertyGA.com. And by the way, if you're a young banker and want to work with a team that is faith-friendly and has a culture of excellence, First Liberty might be a good match. Reach out to them today. First Liberty Building and Loan. FirstLibertyGA.com. That's FirstLibertyGA.com. All year long. Now more college football talk with the king of college football. It's the Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. Chuck Oliver Show rolling along live from Harris Cherokee, Cherokee, North Carolina, on the floor of the Caesar Sportsbook. It is what we do. Been going to both Harris locations in the state of North Carolina since they cracked the champagne bottle on this thing about three years ago. Always love our time there. Talking college football and nobody better to have on. Locked on SEC is his podcast and he's at Sports Talk 790 Yonder in Houston. It is Chris Gordy. Chris, welcome back, friend. How are you today? Hey, Chuck. Good to talk with you, man. Uh, all right, let's go back a couple of days. My personal timeline was, like a lot of folks, I'm on the air, and I get a tweet. I see that Nick Saban has resigned. When I saw it was from Chris Lowe, I was like, and it, like there weren't three W's in the Twitter account. Um, I was like, all right, this is real, and it happened live and organic. You had the same sort of thing going, didn't you? Yeah, we, uh, you know, we, we have the pleasure of being here in Houston. We have a couple of, you know, postseason awards, banquets and things like that. We're, we partner with the Lombardi Awards. So, you know, we got to, uh, you know, hang out with Will Anderson and Brock Bowers these last couple of years. And, you know, cool to get to know those guys. One of the other events is the, the Bear Bryant Awards. And we were doing some of the coaching interviews for some of the finalists, like Mike Norvell at Florida State and uh, Jamie Chadwell over at Liberty. And we just happened to have Eli Drinkwitz from Missouri on our radio station as the news broke. And we got literally the live reaction of a current SEC uh, coach to, um, you know, the news of Saban retiring. And it was pretty crazy. I mean, you could kind of see a smile come across Eli Drinkwitz's face. He kind of sat up in his chair a little bit and uh, I have a feeling, you know, the the rest of uh, the, the SEC kind of had the same reaction. I always said that, you know, the day that Saber retires, you would have, you know, an Alabama fan base that would be very sad, depressed. Uh, you know, where do we go from here? But you would have 13 other fan bases, soon to be 15 other fan bases, celebrating, uh, throwing a party. Yes, ding dong, the witch is dead. We don't have to worry about that, that juggernaut in the conference anymore. So, yeah, it was kind of uh, interesting to see Eli Drinkwitz's live reaction. He told us they were on a conference call at 10 a.m. that morning, all the coaches. And he said Saban was just as passionate as he's ever been, talking about NIL, talking about this and that. So you could truly tell. I mean, Saban talked about it in the, in the interview with Reese Davis. It, it was a last-minute decision that, that, you know, he kind of made that decision, said, am I going to do this one more year? Am I going to retire? And he chose to retire. Well, let's talk where some of the uh, reactions may have been strongest. Uh, Brian Kelly, LSU. I tell you what, um, you talk about a great start. I don't know what first twelve days to the year. 
First week and a half, couple weeks to the year for LSU. Um, they get a commitment flip. They get a new D.C. that everybody loves. They may have an answer for what they're doing on the offensive staff. And then Saban retires. Uh, just give me a flyover if you're in Baton Rouge right now. Um, if you're Brian Kelly, like you haven't even played a game, and it's been a pretty good two two weeks. Yeah, I'd say maybe probably the only downer was, uh, you know, giving up uh, the most passing yards all year to Wisconsin. But, you know, it was kind of what was necessary. They won the bowl game. But uh, I think that was kind of the exclamation point with the cap on the season. That house has to go. I mean, this was a historically bad LSU defense. We yeah. know all that. You know, Jaden Daniels wins a Heisman. And, you know, it's, it's going to be even more frustrating if the defense is much improved this year. We're going, well, where was that last year? We could have been undefeated winning, winning a championship. But, uh Nonetheless, no, it, it has been great. I mean, the, the hiring of Bo Davis, I, I heard about a week ago that it wasn't going to happen, that Texas was going to pony up the cash to keep him, and uh, they were in a little bit of a bidding war there. And so LSU really had to pony up some cash. Obviously, Bo's son plays right down the road. Um, I think it's southeastern, you know, about the, uh, 45 minutes from LSU. So, you know, that, that I'm sure factored into it. Uh, and the same thing with, with bringing over uh, Blake Baker from Missouri. Uh, Blake Baker's wife is from Louisiana. They have family there. So, Sometimes just ties to families is what, you know, draws a guy back home. And granted the money, they're going to take care of both those guys. But, no, absolutely home run hires for, uh, for, for Brian Kelly, at least on paper. And then on top of it, yeah, he gets the number one quarterback, the number one running back, and the number one wide receiver all commit for the class of 2025. We'll see if he can hold on to them. But, yeah, it's been a good, uh, you know, 12 days or so for uh, the LSU Tigers. And help me, um, I think there's a spot open, maybe one spot on offense. And I know on defense, uh, I still see people wanting Corey Raymond to come in. So I assume they have a spot there. How close is Kelly to finishing the, the 10 assistant coaches? Yeah, the, everything is pointing towards Corey Raymond coming back. I think they're just trying to work out the specifics on, you know, uh, job title, contract, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, it sounds like he's going to come back home. Of course, he was the guy who was considered the architect of yep. DBU, brought in, you know, Patrick Peterson and all these great uh, DBs that LSU's had over the years. Uh, you know, it sounds like they're still trying to get uh, the D-line coach from Missouri Peoples over that, to just coach the specifically the defensive ends, whereas Bo Davis would focus on the interior of the D-line. And, yeah, the OC is very interesting because Joe Sloan, I thought, did a pretty darn good job with Cortez Hankton in the uh, in the bowl game as the interim OCs. And uh, I think a lot of people would be on board with Joe Sloan taking over. He called plays at Louisiana Tech. But one thing to watch, though, is what's going over there at Alabama. And, and you know, Tommy Reese, um, you know, if, if he does not get the Alabama job, are they able to keep him as the OC or does Brian Kelly come calling? He was real close to bringing him down to, to LSU before, so maybe just something to keep an eye on there over this next week or so. Are you as surprised? And by the way, I mean, I've heard from everybody. I mean, Byrne himself said it. Like, it might be midnight tonight and Alabama's got a head coach. Um, were you personally surprised that as quickly as all this has happened, like, Lane Kiffin never picked up any sort of momentum in this? Yeah, I, I was told uh, a, a couple couple months back because because right a couple years ago it felt like the, the 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 writing was on the wall that either Steve Sarkeesian or Lane Kiffin could either be the heir apparent to Nick Saban and yeah. you know very successful there as the OCs but I just think all this extra stuff that comes with Lane the stuff on social media the trolling the trash talking the shots at, at the podium I just think Alabama just there's some there's some higher ups there that aren't fond of that they don't yeah. like it. Um, obviously Nick Saban is, is a pro's pro and, and, you know, you never got anything crazy from him. So 
I think that just rubs a lot of people wrong. And, and it's crazy to say because Lane has matured, actually, over the sure, last five sure. to ten years. But I still think that just rubs people the wrong way. As a football coach, Chuck, it would be a home run hire. I mean, you give that guy five-star recruits, you let him go do whatever he wants to do there in Alabama, he'd win a lot of games and might even win a championship there. But I just think that all the extra stuff is still what rubs people the wrong way. And, you know, from what I was told a couple, couple months back that he would not be on the radar, even if and when Saban were to retire. What do you think is possible for Ole Miss in 24? I mean, and because of the expanded playoffs, I mean, it looks like they can get a 13th game. But um, is there a bigger picture than we're one of the final 12? Well, I mean, look, the expectations are. I mean, they're going to be a preseason top 10 team. The expectations yeah. will be that Ole Miss will compete for the SEC and if not play for the title, at least be a, play, a playoff team. I mean, their non-conference schedule is weak as, as anything. Their, their toughest game is at uh, – at Wake Forest, and then their uh, their toughest conference games. They get Georgia at home. Uh, they get Oklahoma at home, and then you know they do have to go to L- LSU. But um, you know, it's I think that this is it sets up for Lane. I mean, I think anything less than ten and two would be a disappointment with everything they brought in uh, through the NIL and you know the collective bringing in all these guys from the SEC. And it's, and it's crazy, Chuck, because their recruiting class was okay, but they went and spent all the money on proven commodities. And I think it's a very interesting you know, case study moving forward. We've seen, you know, A&M went out and spent all their NIL money on a recruiting class, and we saw how that panned out. It didn't work out for them. uh, Ole Miss said, let's go get proven stars, not just proven stars, but proven stars in the SEC, and let's build around that and fill in some holes and fill in some gaps. And I think they're going to be much improved. I think Pete Golding is a really good D.C. I know Bama fans like to hate on him, but um, I think think we're going to see a really good Ole Miss team this year. And, Chuck, if they get started off on the right foot, Logan Diggs sliding in for Quinshawn Judkins. Uh, this could be a, an actual uh, championship contending team, and I never thought I would say that about the Ole Miss Rebels. Has the Florida Gators program ever had less of your consciousness than they do right now? Like, since you understood <laughs> what college football – have they ever – and I, want, I don't want to say have they ever been less relevant. Have they ever been more of just another program in your lifetime than they are right now? Well, I had a coworker ask me yesterday. They said, "You think Billy? You think Alabama would consider Billy Napier?" And I couldn't stop. I fell on the floor. I was laughing so hard. I said, "You do realize he is going to be fired this year, right? Like he's Florida can't stand him." I said, "If they hired him at Alabama, they would burn Bryant Denny Stadium down. I mean, it would it would be a, a, the laughing stock of college football." And it's crazy because I like Billy Napier. I think he's a good coach, but man, some guys. Just the SEC, they're not cut out for it. I mean, we saw Brett Bielema was an awesome coach in the Big Ten. He comes to the SEC, not so much. I mean, it eats a lot of guys alive. So, um, yeah, it's unfortunate, man. I think they, you know, this recruiting class, even with all the recruits they lost, DJ Lagway, I got to meet him a few weeks ago. He's a tremendous young kid. I think he's going to be an awesome quarterback down the road. Unfortunately, I just don't think Billy Napier is going to get a long enough uh, you know, timetable to see DJ Lagway become a starter at Florida and blossom in the years to come. I think they'll make a change after this year because the schedule is just brutal. We've looked at it. I mean, I don't know how he survives this. It would take a miracle upon all miracles. And you're right. I mean, I, I, we were so used to every year, Chuck, talking about Florida. Oh, Florida's competing in the East and Florida's going to be in, you know, in contention for a championship. And now here we are and they're not even on the radar. And it's, it's, it's sad to see where they've fallen, but I don't think they'll be there that long. I think this will be the last year for Billy Napier. Mark Stoops have to win, really? And you know what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> does he really, really have to win? No, I mean, I, I'm married to a Kentucky uh, grad, and, and she just she loves Mark Stoops. And, look, they're enjoying the, the seven, eight, nine-win seasons. You know, they got the double-digit wins a couple years ago. Uh, they'd love to take that step forward, but I just – 
I don't know, man. We'll see. I mean, if Brock Vandergriff is the real deal, and he's, you know, they've done a great job through the portal. They got a good receiving core with Dane Key and Barry and Brown yep. and all these guys. If it all clicks, yeah, maybe they can be a 10 win team like Missouri was this year. But I just, uh, I don't know. I don't know if they're there yet, maybe a year or two away. But look, he's he's got job security there. I mean, A and M almost came and poached him. I, Mark Stoops could stay in Kentucky as long as he wants. Now, I did. I was taken aback yesterday when I saw that uh, Steve Sarkeesian only makes five point six million at Texas, and Mark Stoops makes nine million at Kentucky. When you look at the dollar figure, you do start to say, "Hey, Mark, we're we're kind of paying you a million dollars per win here. You think maybe you could take that next leap forward?" So. We'll see what happens, but no, I think he, I think he's got job security. And look, they, they throw parades for eight, nine win seasons at Kentucky yep. now. Chris Gordy, Locked On SEC podcast, of course. Sports Talk seven ninety under in Houston. Appreciate your time, friend. Thank you so much. Absolutely, Chuck. Thanks, man. All right, Chris Gordy, and uh, appreciate him carving out a little time for us today on the Chuck Oliver Show. All right, we're going to take a quick break live at Harris Cherokee in Cherokee, North Carolina, from the floor of the Caesars Sportsbook. Come on and join us. You can get here for the second hour of the show. I promise you can be here for the rest of the program. Chuck Oliver Show, taking a break. Continue next. to Southern Sports Today and the Chuck Oliver Show. Chuck Oliver Show continues live from Harris Cherokee, Cherokee, North Carolina. Cut the ribbon on the Caesar Sportsbook three years back. Been coming here about an hour away in Murphy, North Carolina, Harris Valley River. Fantastic. Everything you've always loved about the Harris properties in North Carolina, the great accommodations, the dice, the cards, the slot machines, the spa and restaurants, all of it, as well as now live on-site collegiate and pro sports wagering. Again, Caesar Sportsbook right here. You got humans at the window. You got the kiosk and the big comfy chairs. It is a great place to come. Uh, Florida State. Hmm, I talked about the list for Alabama becoming a little shorter. I think the list became the ultimate short, that it's going to be Kalen DeBoer and he's going to get announced. That's what I think. The list that has grown is the list of Dan Lanning has announced, I am not taking an Alabama job or any job. Steve Sarkeesian putting out a video, I'm not taking the Alabama job or any job. Mike Norvell as of me speaking right now, Mike Norvell has said, he has announced, I guess it's official, that uh, Mike Norvell will not be leaving the Florida State program, which we were talking with <laughs> Irish Ophel earlier from Warchant.com. And, folks, if we could go back and just detail about the worst seven weeks. Now, I... I want to say in the history of any college football program, asterisk, way down at the bottom, Marshall, you're not included. Um, Worst seven weeks in the history of any college football program. Lose your Heisman finalist, winner, something. Quarterback to injury. Win all your games regardless, but become the only Power 5 team in the four-seed era to do that and be left out. Not the first. It'll be the only. Win all your games. Power five, win all your games. Conference championship. 
committee says, I ain't got room for you. Sorry. The Orange Bowl, enough. Somehow find a way to get in real, real trouble with the NCAA over name, image, likeness payments. And as soon as the day comes that everyone has known for years, I mean, it's with everyone, but it was more imminent when the guy turned, I don't know, 65. And then five and six and seven years later, okay, I'm going to retire right here, right now. And right after that, Florida State, Mike Norvell, he's on the list. I would imagine that Dan Lanning eliminating himself, that's in ink. And Dan Lanning, he didn't think about it until he made his announcement. He wasn't even considering it, leaving for Alabama. He's like, oh, by the way, I'm not leaving for Alabama, and then went back to his day and hadn't thought about it since. That's what I believe. Steve Sarkeesian, I believe, reacted in a very similar way. He made his video, and then he went back to being Steve Sarkeesian, Texas coach. That's what I believe with Steve Sarkeesian. I don't know that I believe that with Mike Norvell, because understand the ship he is piloting, the one that is running its metal cup across the bars and yelling. That's where he is right now. Does it seem... Like if you had that or another really good choice or like this choice. I don't know. I mean, this is about bottom line. Wake Forest wound up talking to Jim Grove. Jim, walk with me. So there is something to be said for getting the opportunities that you earned and taking advantage of them. There's something to be said for that. Uh, hey, how's your Friday, man? You know, it's it's really interesting seeing how this is all playing out, Chuck. Again, uh, you, you look at Mike Norvell's tweet. He sent out to think, great day to be a Florida State Seminole, and uh, the climb continues. Grateful to lead the Knoll family with our incredible staff. Appreciate President McCullough, Seminole, Alford, and Seminoles for continued commitment on our journey back to the top. The future is bright in Tallahassee. You contrast that, which is kind of a rough version of things. In fact, there's a couple of little grammars there, but kind of a quickly sent tweet. You contrast that with uh, a day later, the hype video getting put out by uh, Oregon, the hype video getting put out by Texas. And I think that kind of speaks to what you're talking about. This is more of a, all right, let me let me quickly put something out there. I'm out of this game. And again, does yep. he know he's out of the game because they're hiring Kayla DeBoer? Does he know he's out of the game because FSU ponied up more dough? We don't know any of the answers on that yet. But he knows he's out of the game. So let me get this out real quick while there's still a chance to, to draft off that heat because – FSU hosting Roydell Williams from Alabama this weekend. So, hey, what better message to have to Roydell Williams than, uh, hey, you know what? I could have maybe gone to Tuscaloosa. I'd way rather be here. So you, you should definitely want to be here, Roydell, as he tries to uh, keep lighting it up in the transfer portal. They're doing a lot of damage on that portal right now. And uh, looking between him and uh, Florida offensive lineman Richie Leonard, both on campus this yeah, that, weekend, looking for more. Yeah, that was one thing that I mentioned to Ira. I was like, for whatever it's worth, I mean, you, we all heard stories. I think you heard stories. Final week, weeks month and a half Jimbo was like yeah I'm taking a powder on the whole thing um I said if Norvell is leaving for Alabama like he's cleaning up the crumbs off his desk into the trash as he walks out um he's wiping off the computer screen he's leaving it my mom used to say leave it better than you found it Mike Norvell I said if he's leaving 
he's really given Florida State every dollar's worth of this last paycheck. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Meanwhile, quickly, just to touch on one other thing that, uh, again, I, I imagine we'll do more with this next week. Uh, you, you look at what's going on with Auburn, Chuck. Uh, Cadillac Williams resigned, yeah. something you had alluded to earlier in the week that, you know, maybe maybe there was some rumbling, something was going on there. Then today you've got Zach Etheridge leaving to take the job with Houston as uh, he's been the defensive backs coach. So you now have an Auburn staff that just here in the last week alone, you, you fire, uh, well, you, you technically, I guess you could say it starts on the third with losing Wesley McGriff to A&M, even though it had been clear McGriff probably was not going to be back. Then Philip Montgomery gets fired on the fifth. Ron Roberts leaves for Florida, the D.C. on the eighth. Now Cadillac Williams last night and Zach Etheridge today. Uh, suffice to say that, that Hugh Freeze is really in reconstruction mode just one year in. That's kind of surprising just how much change there is. Yeah, I can't. Did I actually mention on air the Cadillac thing yet? I thought you had at least alluded to it on air that that okay. not okay. that it was happening, but this that oh, no, you, no. you'd heard some not, stuff. You know, today I didn't know because it it is official. He's resigned, and I didn't know if I had mentioned it on air because there's so much other like things we're talking about right now as well. Uh, I didn't know if I had actually said those words. We had talked about it before the show that. Um, Oh, this was about three days ago um, that, hey, there's some weird stuff like Coach Caddy may be uh, on the verge of resigning, he and Freeze, whatever. Uh, there is dysfunction still there, and it's interesting to me that uh, all the positive momentum up literally until the snap of 4th and 31, and it has been a very different five weeks for that Auburn fan base as well. Yeah, I just I, – I wonder – Again, given that connection he has to that fan base, this is one where it feels like there's going to be more digging in on this particular story. And, Chuck, since we got one more minute here before uh, we, we hit the break and then you've got your next guest coming, I do want to quickly touch on one story that was apparently told by Bob Stoops about Nick Saban that just drives home how insanely focused this man is. Apparently Saban was coaching defensive backs, according to Stoops, at uh, Michigan State in the mid-'80s was in Youngstown, Ohio, and went with Stoops' uncle to a local tavern to have lunch and talk football. As they got into it, they're talking ball, they're diagramming schemes and plays and whatnot. Meanwhile, a guy comes in and robs the place at gunpoint. While they're there having lunch and talking football the whole time, police came in to question people, and Saban and Stoops' uncle apparently had no idea that it even happened. They'd been so focused on the football, they hadn't looked up the entire time, didn't know there'd even been a robbery. That... Just kind of drives home how one track mind that dude can be. I want to say that the the robber took a lot of pride in his work, and he went about it in the most quiet, during operating hours way possible. Um, we break. Come back next. king of college football no matter where you go is this the year you want to grow your business do you want to expand your team build a new office hey it's tug and i want to tell you about first liberty building and loan aren't you exhausted by going to lenders building a relationship and a week later you're dealing with a new person you won't have to with first liberty building and loan the frost family has been helping businesses grow since the 90s and they can help you too they know the patterns they know the ebbs and flows and they know business now the Frost family wants to know you. FirstLibertyGA.com. Buying a building, building a building, buying a franchise, 
or expanding. Reach out and spend 10 minutes with them. See if you're a fit for them and if they're a fit for you. FirstLibertyGA.com. By the way, if you're a young banker and you want to work with a team that's faith-friendly with a culture of excellence, First Liberty might be a good match. Reach out to First Liberty Building and Loan at FirstLibertyGA.com. That's FirstLibertyGA.com. With a new Southern Sports Today app, catch the best college football conversation in the South everywhere with the SST live stream and daily podcast. Downloaded now at the App Store and the Google Play Store. Now more of the best college football talk in the country. It's the Chuck Oliver Show. We continue, bottom of hour two, on a Friday. Chuck Oliver Show broadcast live from the opulence. It is the Caesar Sportsbook live here at Harris Cherokee in Cherokee, North Carolina. Both locations, fantastic places to visit anytime you want. There is no TSA. There's no parking. There's no four-hour flight anywhere. There's a drive in your car. Easy peasy to the state of North Carolina. Two Harris locations with Caesar Sportsbooks. Fantastic. Uh, there are times that a coach says, I'm not a candidate. And, for instance, with LSU and Brian Kelly, there are times when the school will circle back around. Turns out guy was candidate after all. Well, in the case of Brian Kelly, for instance, um, he told LSU, I'm not available, I'm staying at Notre Dame, but he did not sign an eight-year contract that will pay him north of $10 million per year, which apparently is what FSU has responded to. To Bama's interest in Mike Norvell with. Want to welcome on right now. Um, always love talking Alabama football with this guy from 97.7, the zone in Huntsville. It is Drew DeArmond. Drew, welcome back, friend. How you been? Good, Chuck. How are you, man? Hope you guys had a happy new year. No, yeah, nothing but blessed here. Uh, let's go back to Wednesday. You got the news, and you had a pretty good distillation of what had happened in Tuscaloosa. Um, I want to talk about the fans because you're on every Monday, 7 a.m. there in uh, in Huntsville, been Huntsville. Um, what was the immediate feedback, the immediate reaction from the fans? Uh, I'm assuming there was some element to your show of just throwing the phones open. Yeah, there has been. We, our phone lines have been melting down. It's been a lot of just surreal shock, I guess, uh, because I think they were as surprised as the – players and the coaches in that building when Nick Saban said he was retiring because Chuck I know you've read it you've heard it I mean up until 30 minutes before he announced his retirement he was interviewing an assistant coach for an opening I mean you know it's just it's really crazy to think that he was going to do it I mean as you know I, I sent you the my info yeah. I I had heard on two at two o'clock to a really good source before he had, you know a couple hours before he announced that he was frustrated, and he was trying to, you know, fill coaching slots and, and retain coaches, and he felt like his age was being used against him, and it was just becoming harder and harder to feed the beast. And then, you know, NIL, the transfer portal, uh, you know, frustrated with, you know, the offensive tackle recruiting because they didn't sign an elite high school player like Jordan Seaton, and they only had eight offensive linemen on scholarship, but wasn't able to retain Seth McLaughlin. Uh, I just think a lot of things just and, – and him being 72, as he put it to Chris you know, Chris Lowe and, and Reese Davis, instead of, instead of a 62, it just became harder and harder and harder to grind the way he wants to. And, and the thing with Coach Saban, there was never going to be a compromise, Chuck. He was never going to change the way he worked. 
and he didn't want to ever do that. And if he felt like he had to do that, he was going to walk away. And he because he 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 feels that if I can't do it the way I've always done it and kept this program where I wanted it, that I should hand it to someone else. And I think ultimately on Wednesday at 4:20, that's what he decided to do. If we go back to the final time in, I guess, December of 06 that he said, and by the way, this is not a criticism. He, he said what you have to. You're a coach. Um, the final time he said he was not leaving the Dolphins, up to that moment, I still viewed him, and I think a lot of people did as well. He's an NFL guy as much as a college guy, and he's sort of a hired gun. Even like the next day when he shows up in Tuscaloosa, he was viewed as, well, how long, better enjoy him, how long will you be able to keep him? Just wax a little bit because he and Miss Terry, like, they put down roots. I mean, like, that's their real for real home now. Um, that's kind of neat given the view of Nick Saban when he was leaving Miami and arriving in Tuscaloosa of hired gun. He'll be here for a minute. Well, I'm, I'm glad you brought up Miss Terry. It's a perfect segue. Um, they're a true team, Chuck. She has every bit to do with the decision-making process of what they're doing as Nick Saban. Now, it's not the football part, but, you know, it's what the job, and then it's being a part of the program from the standpoint of relating to players, helping and recruiting. She's not, she's not uh, you know, input with the coaching and, and who's playing and how they're playing, but everything else she has a yeah, kind of a hand in. She did not like the NFL lifestyle. She did not like the NFL game. She wanted to go back to the college game, and she had every bit as much to do uh, with him going back uh, to the, the uh, in, to, uh, college football as anyone did. And, you know, and I think, uh, you know, and, I, and Alabama fans and, and, and anybody in college football should be indebted to her for it because you're right. I think it was a, a moment where Nick Saban could have decided what road he was going to take. Am I going to be an NFL guy and try to chase the Super Bowl, you know, from this point forward? Or am I going to go back? I've already climbed a mountain in college football. But, you know, at that point in time, he wasn't a Hall of Fame coach, Chuck. No. So he had to decide, okay, am I going to be a college guy or a pro guy? He decided to be a college guy. Miss Terry had a ton to do with that. And then he went on to become the greatest college coach of all time. So it's definitely something that's surreal. It's something that you'll, you'll never forget. And, of course, uh, you know, he. I know Nick Saban has always deadpanned that one day I'm going to write my own autobiography and tell this story, and I'll be interested uh, on how he tells it. But again, it's you've heard all kind of versions. But again, Miss Terry was so instrumental yep. in yep. Uh, getting yep. him to Tuscaloosa. No doubt at all. Uh, continue, Drew D. Arman, a good friend, 97.7 ESPN, the Zone, yonder in Huntsville. Uh, all right, so if we are to believe um, reports and, and just the general take on this, if Mike Norvell, and I don't know, it's sort of breaking, he's got an eight-year, $10 million a year contract that he and FSU have agreed to. So if he's really out of it, is this a Tommy Reese, Kalen DeBoer thing? If you were to identify two candidates, would those be the two most likely in your mind? Well, I mean, I don't think it would be Tommy Rees. I really don't. Um, I, you know, there there could be a wild card candidate, but you know, I, I due to contacting people that I've done, I have over the last two days and and chasing things. I mean, I mean, I'll wear it. I I thought that when this first process first started a couple of days ago, 
that Dan Lanning was the lead candidate. He didn't even get offered the job. Uh, but, I, you know, I kind of compiled my own list. I said, okay, uh, who would I think be heavily involved in this search? And then I started vetting and talking to people. And uh, Dan Lanning was on that list, but it turns out he wasn't uh, at the top as I thought he might be or even offered the job. He stayed at Oregon. He's done a great job there. And then, uh, you know, the other candidates were Kalen DeBoer, um, and then my other candidate, and I right, and at the time, if I, you had to ask me for two, I, I had I had four. I, uh, as I said, I had Dan Lanning, he's out. Steve Sarkeesian, who I who later I found out was vetted, but his wife didn't want to leave Austin, Texas. He has now agreed to an extension, so he's out. Uh, and then Kalen DeBoer, who's still very much in play. He has an extension on his desk, but he hasn't signed it. And then the fourth candidate was D'Amico Ryan. And D'Amico, only, the only thing the snag there is, you know, the timeline I had heard was, you know, by the end of this week. Yeah. And, and D'Amico, as you know, Chuck, he's coaching it's a playoff game this weekend against Cleveland. And they could very well win, Chuck. And you know about the 30-day, co- uh, you know, transfer portal window now open for Alabama. If they win, it's another week. So you're not guaranteed the season is ending. So to me, the the uh, the, the 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 timing didn't seem right for D'Amico Ryan's. But who knows if Kaylin DeBoer stays at Washington? If I were Alabama, just like it's kind of funny. Seventeen years ago, when Nick Saban, you just brought it up, said I'm going to be the Dolphins coach. Yet Mal Moore dug in his heels and waited another few weeks and got his man. I still think Alabama will be talking to D'Amico Ryans if Kalen DeBoer does not come to Tuscaloosa. But right now, if you ask me who the two guys are, I would say Kalen DeBoer and D'Amico Ryans. Uh, I'm going to ask you to get in somebody's uh, somebody else's gray matter, but, I mean, we know that the O.C. had a reason to stay in Seattle last year. Is there a reason that Kalen DeBoer has a reason to stay there? Because Penix is gone and a lot of other talent is gone. It looks like a pretty nice transition. Um, can you project, can you imagine the reasons that now he would get a new contract and a lot of money, but he'd get that from Bama. Just give me a guess there. Well, his daughter is going to be a softball player at Washington. She's a freshman. Uh, she just started her journey there. Uh, certainly, she can go into the transfer portal. Maybe in, in Washington and Alabama are very similar as far as being elite softball programs. She could transfer to Alabama, but her daughter seems to love Washington and sign there. Uh, his family seems very comfortable. So, uh, once again, and, and it, it's not always just a coach's decision. It's a family decision. Uh, if he decides to stay at Washington, I'm sure it's because it would be a family decision. But I'll just say this, Chuck. When you look at what he's done at Washington, winning 21 in a row before losing the national championship game, the way he was able to elevate that program in two quick years, it's astounding. It's amazing. But they still don't have the resources or the recruiting base of Alabama. Uh, Alabama oh, gives no. you every resource possible. You know that, Chuck. Yeah. You cover college football in its totality. You, it, Alabama is a national brand. Washington is still a regional brand. Alabama – you can you will have every resource possible football wise to win in every capacity, and you've got Nick Saban who's going to keep an office there and be a resource. And I can assure you, Nick Saban will be there, but he will not meddle, Chuck. He is just going to be involved when needed, 
And, and, can, and to me, I, I've heard people try to make that out to be a detriment. How can it be a detriment if you're free any time to walk into an office down the hall and spit spitball with the greatest coach of all time? I, I just I, I don't see how that's a negative. Because Unbelievable resource. And, you know, here's the thing. The caliber of individual that will get the Alabama job would understand this is about coaching and not be threatened because, I mean, if he wanted the job, he would have kept it. Um, wrapping up, Drew DeArmond, uh, comment on Tommy Reese because I had asked you that, it, you know, the, the boiled-down list that was, you know, you could find a lot of places was, well, here are the three final candidates. And Norvell appears to be out, and it was DeBoer, and a lot of folks mentioned Reese. Um, what was what has been your thoughts when you've seen Tommy Reese mentioned as a candidate? Well, I, I've, I've seen him mentioned. I've even seen Glenn Schumann mention some. Uh, I just don't think at this point with this job, Chuck, and I understand that Kirby was hired as an assistant from Alabama under Nick Saban, but Kirby was a Georgia graduate. Uh, everybody knew that that was his dream job. And I think everybody knew that he was ready to be a head coach. Tommy Rees, I, you know, I know he's been, that his name was mentioned for Northwestern before the season started. I just can't, with the weight, the shape of Alabama's program right now, Chuck, and I'm talking about where it is right now from a talent standpoint, Nick Saban has left it a million times better than when he inherited it. It's one of the top two to three rosters in all of college football with all these resources. I just can't fathom Alabama having to hire an assistant coach to run their program, especially one. If it had been a Kirby who had been there nine years, that's one thing because he'd been, he would have been groomed under Saban for a decade to take over. Tommy Rees has been in Tuscaloosa a year, not even really a calendar year. So to me, that doesn't make any sense. And, and I'm not just – I thought Reeves was a, did a very solid job this year. But to me, that doesn't make any sense. It would make a lot more sense if Brian Kelly had left Notre Dame, as you mentioned as I was coming on. He went to, from Notre Dame to, to LSU. Tommy Reeves had been at Notre Dame for how long? It would have made more sense if Tommy Reeves were elevated at Notre Dame than it would for him to be elevated at Alabama. I agree with you. I said I'm, I, when it, I saw that name, my response was, "I'm gonna I'm gonna make two separate, completely separate comments here." I kind of like the job he did at OC. This is way too much for him right now. So it's not a comment on you know his tenure so far. I think there's still a lot to be uh, had by somebody. Drew, appreciate your time, brother. Thank you for coming on, man. Thank you, Chuck. Drew DeArmond. Wow, joy talking Alabama football with him. So those are those are separate statements, and uh, I said I thought he did a pretty good job, and and turned I thought he turned his season into a pretty good season. That doesn't get you the Alabama head coaching job. I think what it does is it maybe it maybe it's good policy. Maybe they would have interviewed Kevin Steele, but Kevin Steele quit the day before. Maybe or maybe they maybe it's a bone throw. I think they bone-throwed Kirby and Dabo. Hey, you're not coming, and we're not really offering, but we just wanted to let you know we love you and would always have you as coach. I know, and I appreciate the call, but I'm going to stay here in Athens slash Clemson. All right, well, I'll talk to you later. You make the call, and they did. So, All right, we break. We wrap up on this Friday next.
always college football time in the South. Now back to more of the king of college football, Chuck Oliver, on Southern Sports Today. Getting your name put in the conversation speaks to what we're doing right here, right now. But yeah, this decision has been made for me since I took this job. You know, I love what we have here. I love the support, the administration I have. I mean, we've got the things built to where we could be that team. And um, we just got to continue to take steps in that direction to get where we want to be. That's some coach saying he's not leaving for Alabama. Could be Steve Sarkeesian. It's not. It could be Steve Sarkeesian. Could be Mike Norvell. It is Dan Lamming. And he had mentioned previously that anybody who considers me a candidate for a job, he's like, you don't know why I'm here. It's like, I love being here. And so, also loves the born supremacy. He loves being at the weight room for max out day. Uh, and he loves doing all that right there on campus. So, uh, Dan Lanning among the the larger list of names. There's no one on the list of new Alabama head coach. Uh, there's a very small list of, at this point, what we consider legitimate candidates. And then, or candidates who are being pursued right now. And then there's a much larger list of guys who have publicly said now in some form, either digitally or in front of camera themselves, uh, I'm not leaving where I am now. And that is a big, that is no commentary in the least on the Alabama job. It's three things. For me, right now, this is the better place to stay. So that is the decision. Hey, What's going on, man? So a couple of things here, Chuck. One, look, I think we can safely say Tommy Reese, if he's offered the job, would take it for sure. So if we want to say he's the absolute floor, it sure feels like Mike Loxley is a slightly higher floor just because he's done the job. On the other hand, in the case of Loxley, you also, I don't know that there's anything he's done at Maryland that excites you that much. And his track record as a head coach at New Mexico was an absolute disaster. I mean, go back. It's not just the wins and losses. He had lawsuits. He had a lot of problems there. Yeah, he punched somebody. Uh, but yet, supposedly, he's on the list. Here's here's a guy I'm just wondering about, especially a year ago, that we haven't heard a word about. I'm not counting a guy like a Dabo, because who knows with Dabo, you know, like you say, maybe the re- outreach happened behind the scenes quietly, and this, that's been over for, for weeks. Who knows? How is Sonny Dykes' name not at least coming up here? I mean, you're talking about a dude who is very comfortable in the Southeast and who literally took TCU to a national title game a year ago. I mean, if you get to the point where Mike Loxley's name is coming up, I understand Loxley worked there, Dykes hasn't. But seriously, if you had your choice of those two guys, wouldn't you lean towards Sonny Dykes? If I was limited to those two guys, probably I would lean towards Loxley as a coordinator more than the head coach at Alabama, but he's the head coach at Maryland, so that's not possible. Um, I don't. I was surprised to hear Mike Loxley mentioned as prominently. Um, now, again, it may be on the B list. You have the A list, which has gotten pretty thin, and now you're short. Now you've got the B list, the auxiliary list, and maybe he's on that. Um, I will say, though, that it's not limited to just those two, and – TCU appearance game or not, you got to have some sort of history, some sort of connection, some sort of big something 
and he may not have that at all. Now, yeah. here's another thing. He may also not have the blessing of Nick Saban. It may have to be somebody that Nick Saban looks at and sort of nodded, and that's who Byrne will – and maybe he did that with Loxley, and I never considered him to do it, anyone else. Yeah, who knows? Like I said, it's just interesting because a year ago, I feel like this name would be coming up. It's not coming up at all. It's certainly well, not because TCU's got too big a wallet, and there's no way you're getting him out of Fort Worth. It's, it's definitely not that. Uh, I, I just look at this situation, too, Chuck, and I wonder – could we wind up? Yeah, we heard earlier with Drew, obviously, the idea of maybe D'Amico Ryans, especially if the Texans were to lose the first round, so maybe the timing is there to him at least pursue it. You know, maybe a guy like that comes up. I just think back to some searches, including Alabama, and winding up with people that you would have never guessed. Now, again, this is a different job after Saban than it was when they hired Mike Price, but you had a guy in Mike Price who had taken Washington State to multiple Rose Bowls, had a quarterback drafted number two in the draft, but kind of knew, hey, I'm at this obscure place, and no one really knows much about me or respects what yep. I've done here all that much. And, oh, wow, what would it be like to work at a place with all the shiny toys and all the attention? And, of course, we never found out how it would go because, uh, well, it's rolling, baby. Uh, so it never quite worked out for old, uh, old Mike Price. But you do wonder, is there some coach out there that no one's thinking about at all that would be that kind of guy? Because if they don't get to bore, man... It really does. It's hard to look around and see somebody who feels worthy of the job that on paper would take it. It's such a short list, a, I'll say, shallow pool to begin with. Like Chris Kleiman at K-State is a great coach. He's not a logical fit for the job, but could he be there, Mike Price? I just wonder. Start pairing names off of it. Not you. The ethos, start pairing names off of it, and suddenly you're looking around going, well, we have to widen the search, which is something you never consider Alabama football would have to do. All right, wraps it up on a Friday for the week. All of us back Monday with more. What are your plans for your business this year? Hey, it's Tug. Do you want to expand and grow? Aren't you exhausted by going to lenders, building a relationship, and a week later, you got a new person to deal with? You have to start all over again? You don't have that with First Liberty Building and Loan. The Frost family has been helping businesses grow since the 90s, and they want to know you. Unlike big banks, they want to partner with you. The Frost family knows the patterns. They know the ebbs and flows. They know business. Get to know them at FirstLibertyGA.com. Building a building? Buying a building? Buying a franchise? Expanding? Reach out to them. Spend 10 minutes with them. See if you're a fit for them and if they're a fit for you. You do that at FirstLibertyGA.com. And by the way, if you're a young banker and want to work with a team that is faith-friendly and has a culture of excellence, First Liberty might be a good match. Reach out to them today. First Liberty Building and Loan. FirstLibertyGA.com. That's FirstLibertyGA.com.